The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Okay. Today, we're going to talk to an expert in a methodology that's increasingly being adopted by technology-driven marketing organizations, Agile Processes. Joining us is Stu Fisher, who is the Principal Consultant at Sentient Consulting, a consulting firm that amplifies business performance through customer-focused strategies and technologies that deliver great experiences and strong, scalable, agile execution. Prior to founding Sentient Consulting, Stu has worked in product roles in enterprise organizations, including HP, First Tech Credit Union, and Symantec. In this episode, Stu is going to walk us through the basic principles of agile processes. Here is our interview with Stu Fisher, the founder of Sentient Consulting. Stu, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, Ben. Good to talk to you. It's great to have you here. We've known each other since you originally launched your consulting business. You've been doing this for a little while, and your business is all about teaching people agile processes. Am I right? Yes, including some basic marketing execution, but absolutely helping people to be more agile in their marketing. So I think of agile processes in a similar way that I think of something like the lean startup methodology, which is all about testing an assumption, validating small pieces of data and building incrementally from square one slowly. Tell me a little bit more about the agile processes and am I thinking about it the right way in terms of how it's being applied in businesses? Well, you have the thread for how to think about agile processes. It really is a way to answer the question, what's the highest and best use of our time right now? And what's the greatest value we can deliver to customers right now? In the old days of marketing and of product development, there was a lot of upfront predicting what customers might want. Sometimes you're making those predictions months out. Sometimes you're making them years out. And then you're coming up with a, quote, plan. And then it's all about going and executing the plan. So what drove success was how well you executed the plan and if you delivered the plan on time and not how much value you delivered to the customer. It was sort of presumed or assumed that you were going to deliver value because you had spent so much time thinking about it up front. As things have sort of evolved, the world has evolved. Companies have moved more into this more modular approach 
And that's where Agile comes in. Agile is nothing new. It's been around in some forms since probably the 70s and 80s and other aspects have been around that get used in Agile. Nowadays, things like Kanban methodology has been around since the 50s. It was used in automobile manufacturing in Japan. What is Kanban? So Kanban was invented by Toyota on their manufacturing lines in the 50s. And it was used as a way to take tasks on the manufacturing line and basically use a pull-based method. So a Kanban is a bin, and in the bin is your sort of order of what you want done. And different stages of the process just pull that bin and complete their task and then pass it on to the next bin. And then the next person completes their task. So it was actually a way to drive quality in the manufacturing of automobiles in Japan. And that's why it was created. It's similar to how I think of Trello, right? You have stages in a process and you're constantly moving things from left to right into different buckets. Correct. And at each stage, the person is doing a task that they have basically perfected. So you're getting sort of intra-task quality as you move the thing along the way versus having one person having to manage a bunch of different tasks and doing some well and some not so well. Okay. So that process has been around since Toyota invented it in the 50s, I think you said. Mm -hmm. And Agile has been around on some level for 30 to 50 years as well. Talk to me about, A, what Agile processes are. How is that different than Kanban and the lean startup methodology? And why is it becoming so much more integrated into marketing and technology recently? A lot of what Agile is all about in lean, startup, Kanban, Scrum, etc., there's a number of different terms that all relate to the Agile development methodology. Think of Agile as sort of the umbrella term that covers a bunch of other different sub-areas or sub-terms, if you will. And as the world has evolved into a world in which we have mass scaling of technology and distributed systems, you can start to imagine a world where a monolithic approach doesn't always work. So the analogy that I tend to use with Agile versus sort of traditional or waterfall methods The waterfall method is a method of you spend a lot of time up front planning and then you lock down your plan and then you go execute exactly that plan. So it doesn't allow for a lot of flexibility. It's like building a table out of a single piece of wood. Yes, the table on its own when it's completed can have integrity, it can be beautiful, but what if one leg of the table gets damaged? In sort of the old waterfall world, you have to actually rebuild the entire table In the Agile world, where everything is more modular and you're building a table leg or a piece of a table leg and putting it all together, and all those pieces have integrity on their own, then you're instead moving to a world that is a lot more scalable. It supports sort of a distributed model better, and it's a lot more flexible and resilient to change. The change being the change ultimately of customers and customer tastes, needs, and desires and wants. As you're describing what Agile is, there's a couple of things that pop into my head. My wife works in retail. She is a merchant or a buyer. And the traditional retail model, which is changing in the organizations that she's worked in recently, but the original model was, we know that this many pairs of pants and this many shirts sell well. Let's go look at what the trends are, look at what has sold decide on what our inventory is going to be, book it and buy it six to nine months in advance. And so the decision has been made 
what products they're ordering at scale in a totally different season at a totally different time, months, if not years in advance. And that seems to me like what you're describing as the traditional model, as opposed to the agile model is one where you're enabled to be more strategic and sort of optimize your plans as you go along. Is that a fair assumption? That's a very fair assumption. And to leverage that example of your wife's industry, now you have companies out there that will market a piece of clothing, let's say a shirt, and then they get people to subscribe to the shirt. The shirt's not been made yet. So all it is is an image on a website, a photograph of a shirt and some information about the styling and the material and so on and so forth. And now companies will wait until they get to a certain level of subscription and then they'll run the order. So in that old world, you're planning a year or two years out. You're figuring out what the price is going to be. You're trying to forecast demand for that product months and months out. And now all you do is you put a picture up and you leverage the power of the internet and you say, okay, when we hit a thousand people that want this shirt, we're going to make our run and you're going to get your shirt. And if we don't make it, you'll get your money back or whatever. You don't have to pay. And then we'll just keep it moving. <laughs> so even in the retail business, that type of agile practice has come to the forefront. Yeah, it's like Kickstarter for clothes. If enough people show an interest in this, we'll print our t-shirts and send them out to you. And I guess the issue that I see using that example is there's no guarantee that I'm getting the product that I'm paying for. Eventually, maybe I get my money back. But there's also a time constraint. Is that something that happens in other industries, right? Like the end consumer has to wait for their product, which doesn't seem like the greatest experience. Well, if you look at it a little bit differently, if you're waiting perhaps a little bit for a product, but you know it's exactly the product that you want versus having a selection on a retail shelf or a rack and saying, well, I don't really like any of these things or I don't like the color of this. So it's almost the ability to have some level of customization without having to pay for a level of customization. So you're getting something at traditional retail prices that is really more custom to your needs and your preferences. So yeah, I mean, I could see where some people want something right now immediately, and maybe that doesn't work. That example doesn't work for them. But really coming back to the principle of Agile, it's really what's the highest value thing I can do for my customer right now? And what should I be expending my resources focusing on? So back to that example, you can spend your resources trying to predict what customers might want and spend your capital trying to build up a large run of product. But then ultimately, if you bring it to market and you don't sell any of it, then it's all a loss. So being agile is really all about hacking that into something that is a lot more access-based than a lot of upfront planning-based. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. 
And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So talk to me about the agile processes. There's a methodology that's being applied both in engineering, in productions, in operations, and also in marketing. What are the steps in the process that marketers need to know about being agile? I'm glad that you mentioned being agile because I speak to companies a lot about the idea of doing agile versus being agile. And doing agile, companies will say, well, we have stand-ups and we have a backlog and this, that, and the other. And so they're sort of doing a lot of the things that are associated with agile practices, but they're not being agile. They're still doing things in the same ways. They're just adding in some new types of meetings and new types of job descriptions and so forth. They're doing all of their planning up front and then on the back end doing agile meetings. <laughs> right. Okay. So they're like, yeah, this is our plan now. Go do that agile stuff. You'll hear executives who don't necessarily have the upbringing of having grown up in agile, just basically saying, okay, go do your agile thing, whatever that is, and just get it out there fast. <laughs> and get my plan executed the way that I said it. Right. <laughs> okay. So walk me through the process. So... The process is sort of based on some principles. The key principles that Agile was founded on were things like the upfront planning that used to happen versus being a lot more adaptive and resilient. It's also about rapid iterations over big bang campaigns. A great example of a waterfall mishap out there in the world, at least in the U.S., was the rollout of the Affordable Care Act website which as soon as it was launched, started out being just a disaster and had to be ultimately taken down and fixed because it couldn't handle the demand, didn't have the right information. You know, this is something that was done behind the curtain and again, plan, 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 and then go build and then pull the curtain back in a big bang way. And then it doesn't always work. So rapid iteration wins the day over big bang campaigns. The other principles are testing and data over opinions and conventions. So Nowadays in marketing, you'll hear a lot about analytical marketing and it's all about data. There's a lot of data that we have access to nowadays to be able to do marketing better, but also testing. Let's test this over that. Let's A-B test. Let's figure out if this image works better than that image. All those types of things all favor sort of an agile approach. Small experiments over big bets. That sort of fits with the rapid iteration idea. And then individuals and interactions are also favored over a lot of documentation-based direction. So it's about you and I, Ben, having a conversation and you're the person that's executing. And me saying, hey, this is what I was thinking about for this feature. What are your thoughts about that? 
versus me sort of documenting a bunch of things in a requirements document of some sort. And then lastly, you know, it's about responding to change. So all these things make it so that you can respond to change very quickly and easily. Everything sort of hinges off those core agile values. And then you kind of go from there in terms of some of the actual activities. So if I'm hearing you correctly, there's really, let's call it four pillars of being agile. The first being focusing on rapid iteration, right? Moving quickly, making lots of minor adjustments, using split testing to be able to use fact instead of assumption, constantly running small experiments as opposed to the sort of big bang launch, and then having individual interactions as opposed to spending a lot of time on documentation. And really the purpose of implementing those four factors is to increase your ability to be able to respond to change, to allow you to adjust your products and your services on the fly as opposed to making big bets up front and hoping that they pay off. Exactly. Okay. So you mentioned that there are some steps along the way. Tell me more about how are people implementing those pillars of agile processes? Well, one of the core ideas about how you actually implement Agile is how do you prioritize your work? So what are we going to do today? What are we going to work on today? What's the most important thing that we can work on right now? So all of that stuff starts to take shape when you start to think about a backlog. And your backlog is nothing more than your list of tasks or work or features, or bug fixes, or whatever it is that you need to prioritize working on. You can even think about in your own personal life, having a backlog of things. I have to pick my kid up at school. I have to buy a loaf of bread, whatever, and number of things. So at a certain point, you have to then figure out what are you going to do first, second, third, fourth, etc. So The idea of the backlog really applies a structure to that thinking and says, okay, we're going to have a backlog. The backlog will be stack ranked. So the number one thing in the backlog is the most important thing we can be doing right now. And then from there, we go to the number two thing we can be doing, the number three thing. And so backlogs can be 10 items long, or they can be hundreds of items long, depending on the size and complexity of your workload. So everything sort of gets translated into this backlog. And then what goes hand in hand with that backlog is a description of what needs to be done. So that is where you see things like tasks, or you'll start to hear other agile terms being thrown out, like user stories, things like that. So that's just how you structure the information that is in your backlog. But it's really nothing more than a description of what you want to accomplish in the customer's words. And then what is the definition of when it has been completed? So essentially, Agile is a way for you to prioritize your work to figure out if you're doing what is most important. And you're suggesting that people basically create what you're calling a backlog or a set of tasks with a description. And there's tasks, or some people say user stories. Tell me a little bit about the difference between a task and a user story. Sure. And just to clarify too, the backlog is a way to ensure you're doing the most valuable work at any moment in time and to prioritize it accordingly. So the items that are in your backlog represent user stories. So a user story is a description of what it is that the customer wants or needs. 
the standard sort of structure of that is as a blank, I want blank so that blank. So if you think about that as... As a blank, you want blank so blank. <laughs> think about that as sort of an operating framework. As a heavy listener of podcasts, I want a lookup feature that allows me to find the MarTech podcast easily so that I don't have to waste time digging through a standard search function. So you define it in terms of the customer's need and what they're looking for. And that's basically the story. What follows that are your acceptance criteria. So then the acceptance criteria answer the question, how do we know the work has been completed? How do we know it's ready to go? And typically your acceptance criteria define sort of your test script, if you will, that says if you meet these things, then the story will be determined to be completed and it'll be ready to go. In a marketing world or in a user experience world, that's where you might have something like a mock-up or some sort of an A-B test that it would need to pass from a usability standpoint or other areas where you would say, okay, it has to be able to do this or it must do this, it must not do that. So just to recap, essentially the way that you can think of creating a task or user story is using the, what was it, if blank, then blank? As a blank, (laughs) that's the customer. So that's being very clear about who the customer is. I want blank, and that's what the thing, the feature, the promotion, whatever it is that the customer wants. Mm -hmm. So that blank, that'd be the desired outcome that the customer wants. The funny thing is it's a who, what, why right? Who am I trying to reach? What are we building for them? And why would we build this? Or why would we run this campaign? Or why do we need this new channel? Whatever type of agile need you're building. But who, what, why is the three blanks that you're answering? Exactly. And you're putting that all in the customer's voice. Okay. I think that's a really good summary of what agile processes are. I think of it as who, what, why. But the purpose of building agile processes is to be able to rapidly iterate and make sure that you're working on the most important task at any given time. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Stu Fisher for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Stu is going to talk about the ways marketers are integrating agile processes and the technologies they're integrating into their stacks. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Stu Fisher, you can click on his bio in our show notes or you can go to sentient.consulting. That's S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T consulting. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. If you have any questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, feel free to reach out to us directly by clicking the link on our show notes, or you can find us on social media. Our company's handle is BenJShap LLC, and my personal handle is BenJShap. Again, that's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our episode with Stu Fisher, we've got some great episodes lined up for the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.